Moving away from God happens in small, almost imperceptible drifts. Do you understand this? You don't even really have to do anything to drift away from God. Just do nothing and you will drift into a place where one day you're gonna wake up and God seems very, very far away. But here's what we understand from the book of Joshua. Moving onward with God happens in big, decisive shifts. Follow His leading. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, last week, Pastor Trent challenged us to take a step of faith, just as the Israelites stepped by faith into the Jordan River, believing that God would part the waters. We learned that God has some things He wants us to remember as we take these steps of faith. The first thing we learned last week is that God is with us. Wherever you are in your journey with God, He wants you to know that He's faithful and worthy of trust. Today, we'll continue with part two of the message, Never Forget, and learn the second thing that God wants us to remember as we journey onward in the Christian life. Here's Pastor Trent. I want you to look over at uh, verse 13. When the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So the waters are not going to stop until the people of faith take a step. Now, can you, what, what if you were one of the priests and you're the first to go over? This current is flowing and you're thinking, okay, God, just we're ready for you to, to part the waters. Go ahead and stop that and, and then we'll cross over. Do you see the sequence in verse 13? That's not the way God wanted it to happen. God wanted them to take a step before the waters stopped. Would you have had enough faith? There are some steps of faith that are required by God's people if we're going to move onward. And unfortunately, some of you have stopped moving onward because you are waiting for God to make it easier for you to take a step. And God is saying, Move. Step. That looks dangerous. That looks a little risky. God says, show me your faith. Take the step and move. God wants to remind you, you can trust me. Take the step of faith. Follow me. I am with you. Well, that's the first reminder. Here's the second reminder that God gives us, and it's this. I will never forget where I came from. We're going to see another very vivid picture, a very vivid reminder in chapter 4. Begin reading in verse 1. When all the nation had had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, each from each tribe. You have to understand something about the nation of Israel. They were divided up into 12 tribes, and God says, I want you to get one man from each tribe. They're going to represent the tribes. Verse 
3, it says, And command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, verse 6, that this may be a sign... A symbol, a reminder, a picture. Let it be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever, a forever reminder of the deliverance, the salvation, the grace, the miracle that God did to make a way for you to get out of the wilderness and into the promised land. So there were these 12 stones. And you know what? As you think about these stones, quite a contrast to the very ornate gold ark, all the pageantry and all the ceremony around the ark, there couldn't be a greater contrast than a rock. Just let that remind you of God's goodness to you. And so there were these 12 stones that were stacked up and they were to be a reminder. Do you have any stones of remembrance of God's goodness to you? Seasons and times in your past when God so moved on your behalf that you need to mark that. You know, quite honestly, as people, we are a lot better at piling up rocks of hurt and unanswered prayer and disappointment, and that's where our minds go to. We want to remember all the junk in the past. God wants you to remember His goodness and His grace, times and seasons of deliverance. He wants you to remember those spiritual high water marks in your life. Maybe it was a truth that you read in Scripture and God captured your attention in your heart, and it was a major step for you crossing over from the person that you once were into the person He wanted you to be. I can remember times and seasons in my life. I, I, I remember just for all of us, the, the first spiritual marker that we should have is, is the time of our salvation. And here's what we need to understand. Moving away from God happens in small, almost imperceptible drifts. Do you understand this? You don't even really have to do anything to drift away from God. Just do nothing. And you will drift into a place where one day you're going to wake up and God seems very, very far away. But here's what we understand from the book of Joshua. Moving onward with God happens in big, decisive shifts. Follow His leading. Take the step. Move over. And God was calling His people. So for all of us here this morning, we need to understand, if you choose to do nothing, if you just kind of take some notes and go home and live your life, um, you're probably not going to 
move onward with God. But if this morning God's presence and God's goodness seems so real to you that you are tired of living where you have always lived and this morning you say, I am going onward with God, you will find you are in a better place immediately than you were even yesterday. Do you have any stones of remembrance when that took place? Do you remember seasons and times? Maybe it was a conference. Maybe it was just a church service where God met you in such a real way and God's word came alive. That's why we meet, just to be reminded of the goodness of God in the places he wants us to go. And, and we're not the person that we once were. He wants us to make some big shifts. And as I've said this morning, th there are these spiritual markers that we should have looking back at times and seasons where this happened. Can I just simply ask you, do you remember when your life was marked from moving from sin to salvation? You crossed over. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, who made the way for us to be where God wants us to be, dwelling and living in a place in right relationship with God. Has that happened to you? It's like, oh, I've just kind of always been a Christian. No, you haven't. You've always been a dirty, rotten sinner. And until God delivers you from that evil, wicked heart, you are still in your sin. You have not yet crossed over by faith. If that's never happened to you, the first spiritual marker needs to take place today when by faith you receive Christ and trust what He did on the cross so you could cross over into a better place. That's the first spiritual marker. And God has given us in the New Testament a very vivid picture for every person that does that. When that takes place, when you cross over, what's the next thing God wants you to do? The very first act of obedience of a Christian. Do you know what it is? Baptism. Baptism is like, well, that just seems called ceremonial. And you just said it's not what you do. That's right. Baptism doesn't save you. But God never wants you to forget that the old man who you were has died. You're not that person anymore. What do you do with an old man who dies? You bury him. Now, fortunately, it's a symbol, so it's just water, and we just keep it down there for a second, and you've been raised to new life. You get a brand new life, and so we bring you back up. That is the vivid picture of what happens to a person who is crossed over. So here at Harvest, we understand this biblically. Baptism is not some big ceremony, but it's the picture that you point to to remind everybody, I have crossed over. Now listen, your baptism should be on the right side of your salvation. Your baptism is a spiritual marker that points back to when you crossed over. If you got baptized as a little kid or baptized somewhere back, and you probably might not even remember it. And maybe you went through some of that in the past. But since that time, you have crossed over from sin to salvation. Your baptism needs to be on the right side of your salvation. It points back to what Christ has done for you to get you out of where you were into the place where you are. That's what the New Testament teaches about baptism. If you've never done that, we would love to schedule your baptism. If 
you have genuinely by faith crossed over and now you're a part of the family of God. But do you understand this? That is just the starting line. It's not the finish line of our faith. From that point, you are to continue to take steps of faith. There should be continual markers. Maybe there's times that you've journaled things that God showed you in your time with God. Maybe Andrea has a picture in our house of a, of a scripture verse that's just the reminder that God is our dwelling place. The reason why that's a spiritual marker for us is because for 15 years we were kind of nomadic as we traveled from different church to different church, basically a different church every week for 15 years we lived in a trailer, we're trailer trash, and we took our kids with us and we lived on church parking lots, different, and just, we just never feel, felt like we had a home. And God showed Andrea that verse. You are my dwelling place. My home is not a place. My home is a person. And that was a spiritual marker for us. And maybe you have things like that in your past. Maybe there's a spiritual marker when you crossed over from being self-indulgent to surrendered. Maybe you've crossed over from being compromising and you, you've, you, you've tried to keep one foot in the wilderness and one foot in the promised land. you got the Jordan River, River straddling in the middle. Some of us want to be like that. No, why don't you cross completely over, quit compromising, and remember God is with you, and remember where you've come. Maybe it's time to cross over from fearful into trusting. It's like, I'm not going to fear what I see on the news. Maybe it's good for you not to watch the news and to be reminded of what God has done for you. He is with you. And have you crossed over from living an autonomous isolated, individualistic life to belonging. One of the important verses we read there, it says that all of the people finished passing over. They didn't leave anybody behind. I don't know what your relationship is to this church, but you need a local New Testament church that you belong to. You say, I tried that. Those people are nuts. True? But so are you. You're going to fit in great around here, okay? We're all jacked up. We all got issues. We all need each other. And this is a place where we lock arms with fellow jacked up people. And we try to get some stuff done that we can't do isolated from one another. It's a place of belonging. And we don't do this alone have a spiritual marker like that? Maybe today needs to be that spiritual marker. One more reminder. Here it is. I will never forget who I am. Do you know who you are? Let's see this. One more very visual, probably the most visual, the most graphic of all reminders in chapter 5. This is what it says. It's beginning verse 2. At that time... The Lord said to Joshua, now remember, all of the nation is now in the promised land. There are battles to fight. There are more steps of faith to take. But the first thing he tells them to do in verse 2 is make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at uh, Gibeath, how do you say that? Um, why? What? Why? 
Really? Don't you want these young, courageous, strong men to go fight the battle of Jericho? No, no, I want you to do that first. First, I want you to start. Why? Why? Verse 4, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them, all the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, not uh, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness and until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Israel perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Remember, they were grumbling and complaining. It's like, done, fine, you're in the penalty box, you're not going in. And so this next generation, this young generation, is the one that actually went in and it said, Uh, The Lord swore to them that He would not let them see the land of the Lord that had sworn to His fathers to give to us a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 7, so it was their children whom He raised up in that place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not yet been circumcised on the way. Now, by this point, you should be saying, does anybody know what he's talking about? I don't understand circumcision. Just looking around here for a second, making sure we have a mature... Do we have a mature crowd? Okay. Can I explain this without snickering? I remember as a... I I met the... I crossed over. I became a Christian when I was 15. And I was discipled by my youth pastor who said, you need to read the Bible every day. So I started reading the Bible every day. And I kept coming across this word. Circumcised, circumcision. I'm like, what in the world is that? I'm, I'm, I'm 15, 16 years old. There was no Google. So I thought I need to ask. And so I remember the day, very spiritual marker in my life. I picked up the phone and I called my youth pastor, the most theologically astute person I knew. And I said, help me out with this. What is this circumcision thing? What is that? putting him in an awkward position of having to explain this to me. He's like, oh, well, um, it's, uh, it's, it's surgery that, that cuts away some skin on the male anatomy. I'm like, you're kidding me. (laughs) That's in the Bible. And I said, man, I'm glad I'm not Jewish. I'm so glad. I'm... He's like, well, Trent, you have to understand, like, uh, most men are, are circumcised at birth. Really? No way. Like, how could, how dare they? You know what? Did, didn't there like some kind of permission slip that I should have signed? Like, this is, like what is going on here? And I'm like, well, why? I'm not Jewish. Why would they just like, well, now it's just like for more personal hygiene things like that. Okay, okay. TMI, that's enough, especially in church. That's enough. Do we understand what's happening here? There is a cutting that takes place. And what we need to understand in Scripture is this, that circumcision was a reminder to the people of God of who they were. It set them apart from every other people on the earth. God wants His people to be distinct. 
So here they were going into a godless territory. Does that happen for you on Monday mornings? When you cross over out of your nice little comfort zone, you had your nice little weekend, you went to church, and you feel like, man, these people are my people, and this is, we all kind of speak the same language, and we kind of all have the same values, and you cross over out of here into the godless culture you live in. Here's what God wants you to be reminded of. You are a distinct people. You think differently. You act differently. You worship differently than all of the people out there among whom we operate and yet who are not our people. We live distinct lives, marked lives. You talk about a spiritual marker, this was a physical marker that they needed to be reminded of. And I think this is the reason why, is because all those young, strong, courageous men were going to cross over and they were going to see some cute Canaanite girls. And they were going to be tempted to go flirt with the Canaanite girls. They were going to be tempted to marry the Canaanite girls. God gave them a very physical, visual reminder. These are not your people. These are not your values. You are to live distinct. You are a child of a holy God. I want you to see a verse here. Look down at verse 9. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. The name Gilgal means to roll and so God uses a word picture again. He says, today, because you have now been circumcised, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. Why is he bringing up Egypt? That would, they hadn't been in Egypt in 40 years. Do you know what God was saying? I am cutting off the part of you that is still hanging on to Egypt. He wanted them to forever understand, you are not an Egyptian, and you are not a Canaanite. You are a chosen and loved child of God in covenant relationship with me. Live a distinct life. Now, for those of you that have read the rest of the story, how well did that go? Did that surgery prevent them from compromising, being idolatrous? Yes or no? No. As a matter of fact, a few hundred years later, Jeremiah, a prophet, is writing a commentary on these people that went in, and he says this, speaking the voice of God, he says, I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Just catch that? Circumcised merely in the flesh. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. 
There is not an external ceremonial religious practice that can guarantee that your heart won't wander from God. God wants your heart. God wants to perform surgery on your heart. He wants to cut away the parts of your heart that are unbroken and unsurrendered. He wants to cut away the parts of your heart that are not like Jesus. And so you can go through all the external religious ceremony you want, including baptism and Lord's Supper and circumcision and confirmation and confession and all this other stuff. Listen, if your heart has not been cut by the Word of God, then you're like these people in Israel, practicing external religion, but your heart is far from Him. We read about circumcision, listen, 88 different times in the Bible. 32 times in the Old Testament, 56 times in the New Testament. And so this is again a reminder to those of us that are living in this age that God wants our heart. The Apostle Paul writing in the book of Romans chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 says this, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. Does God have your heart? He goes on and writes to another church, and this was a church in Galatia that was always trying to add rules and regulations to faith. And he says to these people, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. You don't get spiritual points for some external religious surgery. He says, but only faith working through love. Does your heart love God? That is the only guarantee that your heart won't stray from God, is if there is a love remembering who is with me, Remembering who I am. Remembering where I've come from. All of these things should stir our hearts and cut our hearts to live as the distinct people of God and to continue to take steps of faith moving onward into the places He wants to lead me. Are you following Him? Are you stepping over? Or have you stopped because you're afraid? Be reminded of who you are. Don't compromise. Don't flirt with the world. Be who God made you to be. God will take you to the places He wants you to go. God commanded the Israelites to take up stones of remembrance so that they, in future generations, would always remember His goodness and faithfulness. Today, Pastor Trent Griffith challenged us to consider our own stones of remembrance, those spiritual high watermarks that remind us of God's goodness to us. For many of us, that spiritual marker is the moment we trusted Christ as Savior. I hope you've made that decision to trust Him for your salvation. Well, each week at Harvest Bible Chapel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed clearly and boldly. If you're looking for a church where you'll be challenged to grow in your walk with Him, 
we'd love to invite you to a weekend worship service on either our Granger, Indiana campus or a St. Joseph, Michigan campus. For service times and campus locations, go to harvestgranger.org. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus. I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us on the web at harvestgranger.org.